and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode of Willpower. This is a conversation that I had with a man named Doug Hickey. Doug's been an educator for many years, and many of you listening will know who this is. And in this conversation, we talk a lot about life, we talk a lot about education, we talk a lot about self-esteem, and there's really some cool stories in here. And if you want to skip uh, a lot of the conversation and go straight to the juice, to some really deep stuff, uh, you can skip to the 58-minute mark, and about from there onward, you'll find some really powerful stuff. Hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here with a very special guest, Doug Hickey. Doug, tell us a bit about yourself. Well, um, grew up in Nelson, uh, spent uh, 35 years as a teacher between Castle Garden Trail, a teacher and administrator, um, had an absolutely outstanding career. Can say that probably, um, don't know that I had 20 bad days in 35 years. Wow. Uh, That's an achievement. It is. It is. It's it's something that, um, you know what, I, I, I started in Robson in 1979, and I, there was an old, two old schools there. And that was an interesting experience for me. Um, spent three or four years there. Then I went to Terry's, where the school is no longer. Yeah. Uh, spent one year there, and that was a tremendous experience, uh, teaching grade seven. Went up to Canard Junior at the time, which later evolved into Canard uh, Middle School. Uh, spent four years up there, and then I came down to the high school and taught for... Uh, Gosh, I don't know, 10, 11 years. And then I moved into administration about 1996. Went back to Kinnaird Middle School as a VP and then to Crow and Trail as a VP, then the principal. Came to Stanley Humphreys as a principal and then finished my career at, uh, at Twin Rivers. And yeah. so essentially became, uh, not became rather, but uh, went full circle, full circle. Started in elementary school, finished in elementary school. Yeah. And saw a lot in between. Yeah. So that that's for everybody listening that doesn't know you. There's going to be a lot of people listening. They're going to be like super excited to hear that well, Doug Hickey's here. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, you know, my I went to high school in Nelson, as I said, graduated in 74, took a big leap and went to university, uh, University of British Columbia, and got my phys ed degree and then my teaching degree. And then um, two or three years later, about 1982, I think, uh, went to uh, Gonzaga. Got my master's degree in education, and yeah, then just have enjoyed being around young people for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, well, I remember back when. Uh, remember that time I dressed up as you? I do remember. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Well, you know, and, and we had an almost an instant relationship anyway because I taught your mother. Yeah, there was right? that connection. So, if my mom's listening, thank you. <laughs> yeah, we were um, we were actually talking last night about it, and we were like, she was going off about old stories and. Um, how much she enjoyed your presence here. You taught her here at the high school, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 I was mostly a phys ed teacher here and then uh, uh, phys ed teacher, uh, athletic director. And uh, actually when I finished my teaching here, I was pretty much full-time business teacher. Mm-hmm. So my degrees in PE and business uh, with a marketing focus actually. And uh, yeah, I just, when I started teaching, I, I, I thought, you know what, it's, I just want to be with younger people to start with. And I don't know if, I think maybe I was, uh, I was a bit timid in some ways to say that, God, I, I'm 23. I go right into a high school where kids are five years younger than me. I'm not sure I'm ready for that. So I started in elementary. No, I knew I always wanted to be here, um, but thought I had to work my way through and learn some things about kids and, and develop some confidence with, with kids, right? Yeah. So what was it that made you want to get into this profession? Can you remember, um, oh. can you remember like a moment when you decided it? 
oh, I can abs- I can tell you not the day and time, but um, there were a couple of different things. Um, I was a pretty straight shooter in high school. Um, I took some risks and did some different things that high school kids do. Um, but I was always home. I came home every night, every Friday night, every Saturday night or whatever. I didn't kind of do any of those things that caused my parents any grief or significant grief, I guess. And so grade 12 was coming around and I was essentially set to go to Selkirk and, and take forestry. There used to be a sawmill in Nelson that I worked at and um, as, a high, as a high school student. And there was a job for me when I finished, like in the forestry industry, um, if I'd finished Selkirk. And at the time I thought, you know, this is pretty cool, but God, I got to get away. I got to grow up and make some serious mistakes on my own. I had a phys ed teacher in high school. Uh, his name was Serge Lukoff, who really had an impact on, on, on my high school career. And another one named, uh, his name's Howie Ridge. He had a significant impact on me as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I thought, okay, let's take the leap and let's go. And, um, that along with, um, my grandfather, who had a grade three education, Im- uh, immigrated from France. Always, there was never any discussion that I was going in post secondary education. And um, I was fortunate enough that he paid my tuition every year. And, you know, at the time, it was like cheap, it was like $500, right? Mm. And you could make $500 in the summer anyway with the summer job for the most part. But uh, I remember, you know, him writing me a check. How much is that tuition? It's $536 or whatever. Here's your check. The next summer, um, uh, in, in second year is always a very difficult time, I find, for uh, as I talk to young people and I talk to people, my own colleagues and stuff, because it's, you don't really have a focus yet. You're just taking a bunch of courses. So um, I kind of messed around a bit in my second year. Came home at... Uh, Actually, in the fall, I came home for November, uh, Remembrance Day and told my parents I wasn't going back. And uh, What was that like? That was really difficult. And, and I wasn't going back because, first of all, I, I, hadn't cared, I hadn't cared enough about school to go to all the classes. And so we had this conversation and we came around and said, okay, well, let's go till Christmas. Let's write the exams and see what happens. And then I had a conversation with my uh, with my grandfather, and it was like, like, I don't even know why we're having this conversation. You're going to school. You're going to get that ticket. He had no idea that it was a bachelor's degree or whatever. You're going to get that ticket. That <laughs> ticket. Yeah. And um, at the end, if you want to dig a ditch, I'll buy you the shovel. <laughs> so you're, and you were, what was the program that you were in again? I was in phys ed. Phys ed. Uh, phys yeah. ed business. Yeah. And... Um, but it was just, I don't know if it was a kind of a maturity thing or, or something. I wasn't sure. Um, anyway, long story short, I went back, photocopied all the notes, caught up, busted my ass basically till uh, for the next, next three weeks, just shut down my social life and everything. Mm-hmm. Got caught up, wrote my Christmas exams and, and had some success. Not great success, but passed everything. So that kind of set the tone then for... Um, when you look at it, and this is the thing now that is that I've always talked to young people about in a minute, but set the tone for, okay, it's only till uh, April. I only have to make it till April and my second year's done. 
And in between that, there's a day here and there's a day there in terms of a long weekend or a bit of a reading break or, or whatever the case may be. So I can actually, I think I can actually see that. And then the courses in third year look like this. So I have, um, I have an idea of where I'm going now. And it just made it that much easier. So I finished my degree and uh, then I applied for education and, and got in and, and obviously have moved on from that. The thing that I, that I like to talk about now with young people in terms of post-secondary education, whatever that may be, um, if you're in college or university, your life is in four month chunks. There's always light at the end. It's not like, holy smokes, where am I going? Mm -hmm. It's all I got to do is make it till December. Mm -hmm. And I got something in the bag, right? Um, and then I just have to make it till April. And I got more in the bag. And then I got four months to, to not think about school per se and get a job and do the best I can and, and relax a little bit. And to kind of, you know, mature obviously a little more and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. And then and go back to the second year and say, okay, I just got to make it to Christmas. I don't need to make it till April. I only have to make it till Christmas. So it's like setting smaller, uh, or not as not thinking as big. You know, yeah. it's not like this huge thing no, chunking it down. No, a bit. you have to be able to. You got to be able to see the end yeah. of the line, right? The vision is way out there. The vision is like, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to be over at that school. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, the plan can be smaller steps, mm -hmm. and I and I think that that's worked. Um, it worked well for me, and it's what I, as I say, try to impart on, on people. If you're not going to Selkirk or university or whatever, if you're going to work as a, uh, if you want to do an apprenticeship, um, you know, those apprenticeships are, I think, 10 or 12 weeks again, right? So you go, and they're only four days a week. Like if you go for pre-app and stuff, mm -hmm. Monday to Thursday. Every weekend's a long weekend. Mm -hmm. That's something to kind of look forward to. I'd like to go do that. You know, yeah, that's yeah. something to that's something to celebrate. It's not all about grinding stuff out. Yeah, it's about working hard in the moment to pursue the vision, basically, right? Mm -hmm. And I, and I'm not a big philosophical guy like that, but I but I think I've managed to break it down to those particular pieces. Thinking back to when you uh, kind of started your career in education, did you have uh, did you have a vision? It's funny. I, I I didn't have a philosophy actually. I don't think I don't think I was old enough to have a philosophy. Um, and that's one of the questions. I, I didn't. I applied for a job in trail, and I know I didn't get the job because I didn't have. What's your philosophy about education? Well, I have no <laughs> bloody idea what my philosophy about education is. Um, you know, ask me some other questions about stuff, but philosophy, God, I don't know. So. Uh, you know, when I got my job in Robson, uh, I was actually, I interviewed on a, whatever day it was, doesn't matter, in the morning, I was flying out in the afternoon to, uh, to get married. Wow. To Manitoba. So what age did you get married? 23. <sighs> 23. I've been married Listen for 41 up. years. 41 years, my wife and I. It's Wow. Congratulations. It yeah. It always hasn't been Four smooth, decades. of course, but, yeah. but it's, uh, yeah, it's. You know, that's a whole different story too about relationships and that sort of thing that we can, that you can ask me about later because I'm totally proud of it. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd totally love to ask you about that because for like 40 years, 
That's a long time. Do you think you have to do certain things to maintain it for 40 years? Are there certain things that you can do to make a relationship work better? I mean, obviously there's things that make it yeah. go sour or, you know. Well, the your... thing is, is that you truly, you truly love that person? You know, and if the answer is yes, then you're going to find a way to make it work. Is it just like having that sense of certainty? Like, yes, I love this person. Then Is that how you know? Well, um, I'll say, so now you've kind of, you've segued into my relationship with my wife and that's fine. Yeah. Um, I met my wife at a wedding in, uh, 1978. Um, she's from Manitoba. I'd actually met her two years prior to that in another, at another wedding, but never, it was just kind of a come and go thing. She came back to this wedding and I can remember telling my buddy, Hey, wait, there's this great looking blonde lady coming out from Manitoba, man. You might want to consider. Anyway, she shows up. We kind of connect and, uh, we connect for the wet, for the weekend of the wedding. And I think, well, that's kind of neat. Pretty cool. Um, and, uh, so she leaves and I go, well, you know, this is, it's great, but whatever, you know, it was nice while it lasted. Yeah. And she phones me a week later. Wow. Like, so her had an impact on her, obviously, as well as me. So the next thing we know, we're talking every week. And that, and then when I went to university, um, I knew that, that I, I knew that I loved her like after the weekend, basically. Yeah. But, um, then I applied, I didn't need the money, but I applied for a student loan and, uh, cause I wanted to fly her out to Vancouver. I got the student loan, which is interesting. And, and we can, we wrote letters every week. It was not like none of this texting and social media or whatever. We wrote letters back and forth every week. Mm -hmm. She developed and I, and I, and, and I credit her with, she made me feel confident mm. and that gets me back to education and kids. Right. Yeah. But, uh, so I flew her out in November and here's an interesting thing about how kind of irresponsible I am or whatever. <laughs> I forget how much the flight was. I'll say it was $700. Well, I just put $700 in the mail, wrapped it in a piece of paper, put it in an envelope, sent it. <laughs> Anybody could have opened it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody could have opened it and said, oh, look at this. This is great. Uh huh. And she phones me and she says like, and this is again when there was long distance charges and stuff, right? Are you out of your mind? You know, and I guess I am. I'm out of my mind over you, right? Anyway, she comes out in October and it's a great week. And, uh, interesting thing, side note to that was I pick her up at the airport while her cousin's in the same education class that I am. We didn't know each other. I'm like, well, I know you, aren't you? And then, uh, her family's there. And so that was kind of an interesting thing in terms of meeting her extended family. Yeah. At Christmas, I, I wanted to marry her. So I went out on, I left here, I left here on Boxing Day and flew to Winnipeg. She picked me up in Winnipeg and I basically proposed to her that night. We got married in July. The wow. following, we were together. And then she came out one more time in, uh, after I'd finished school. So May helped me clean up and get back home. We were together, I think a total of 30 days in each other's company before we got married. So we didn't really know each other. There was, it was some tough relationships in terms of uh, growing together, maturing individually and maturing together and, and that sort of thing. And it would have been real easy to walk away, but, um, you know, we've hung in there. We still don't disagree. We still disagree 
on a number of things. We we went out last night for dinner and we just kind of, it was kind of like a team meeting. Okay, well, where are we going with this? This is what's going on in our life. Um, you're here, I'm here. We're taking care of business, but we're not taking care of business together. Mm-hmm. So we had to... We had to get back on our roadmap, right? That, so I, ha- that I alluded to earlier. Yeah, you can, you help each other get on that road. Yeah. Get back on the road yeah. to get off, working yeah. together. Because if you don't, then you're going to, you know, choose whatever metaphor, two ships sailing in the night or a number of different things. You're just going to go your own way. We'll never get divorced. Mm-hmm. Why would you now after 40 years, right? Mm-hmm. But you still want to, what we want to do is, is not only love each, love each other, we want to have a loving relationship. And the, and the two are different in many ways. Yeah. <coughs> so anyway, that long story, getting back to teaching and what, what did I know and what did I want to do and philosophy. My philosophy developed because of my partner's confidence in me and my ability to get into the classroom and learn and make mistakes and see what other people did well and try and emulate some of those things at the same time being true to yourself in terms of who you are. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I had, I have had, it's interesting in terms of the number of kids that I've taught, but one of the kids in my first class was my boss in the school district in terms of she was the secretary treasurer of the school district mm-hmm. when I was a principal. So she was in charge of my purse strings. So, you know, it's always very cool to see people have success and and you never know who you're going to work for. You never know who you're going to work with. Yeah. And, and so that was a pretty cool thing for me. Yeah. Um, you know, what, my philosophy, what is it? My, my philosophy is build strong relationships with kids. Mm-hmm. And that, then, sh- that shows. And then you can, then you can help them just about do anything they want. Mm-hmm. So. Has your philosophy changed over the years at all? Oh, um, or has it always stayed true to that? No, I think I think it. It's not that it's changed; it's developed, mm-hmm. and um, it's developed so that it's truly what I believe. When kids walk into a building, um, they need to be ready to learn. Um, we need to be ready to teach them, and how that works then is to build relationships with them. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody's coming in at the same level, obviously. Um, but everybody can learn. Yeah. Not everybody can teach, but everybody can learn. And that's teachers and kids. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's something that, as I say, that has evolved and it's, it's what I truly believe. So how can an educator, um, or a teacher, how do they, how can they best lead a class? So they get everybody, um, you know, like some teachers we were alluding to before, Mm -hmm. um, how they get them all engaged. Like how can an educator get them all engaged to the point where they actually want to be there and they're learning? Is there something that they can do in particular? Well, or certain things that they can do. The great thing about education is that like people, it continues to evolve. And what we know now about education, obviously, and we've known this for a long time, but we truly know that not everybody learns the same, has the same learning rate, has the same learning style, Mm -hmm. but everybody can learn. So, what you do in a classroom, I believe, is to say, okay, how do we put people together? How do we put kids together um, so that everybody can have success? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite teachers, uh, 
again, was a former student of mine and, and one of the teachers that I truly respect at the primary level is mm-hmm. uh, Trina Moray. Mm. And what I respect so much about her is what do you kids want to learn about? Mm. That's her approach? Yeah. Wow. And so then the lessons and the skills are tailored around what kids want to learn about. Ah. And at a young age like that, it's very cool. Yeah. Because, hey, we want to learn about dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. So away we go and we're going to learn about dinosaurs. But we're going to read our books about dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. We're going to use our vocabulary about dinosaurs. We're going to do our artwork around dinosaurs. And then that unit's done. What do you want to learn about now? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I want to learn about trucks. Mm-hmm. Or we want to learn about trucks or cars or whatever. And this, the thing is, is that all good teachers, I believe, build skills around what kids want to learn. Mm-hmm. And if kids want to learn it, then you're going to be able to teach it. And is it is part of that making the connection with the kid? Well, you make the connection with the kid in, in many ways or the student in, in that, hey, welcome to my class. Uh, everybody's honored here. And at the same time as being honored, you still have to be accountable. Yeah. And again, we talked about David Leffler in terms of being accountable and him being accountable to you. Um, at a, at a grade 12 level, the same thing happens at, at kindergarten or grade one. Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, welcome to school, children. It's different. It's different now than at home. It's different now than at uh, daycare. It's different now than at preschool or, or, what, or whatever experience you've had. Mm-hmm. This is how we are going to develop our community. Mm-hmm. And our community is our classroom. Mm-hmm. And these are the rules. And what do you think about these rules? Or... Let's build rules for our classroom. And I think, you know what, you probably even were involved in classrooms that, okay, what do we want for our rules? And many times we set them out, and I, and I was guilty of this too. What do we set them up? We don't always follow them, right? And, and Trina and many other young primary, or, uh, young primary school teachers, they follow them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then what happens is that I think those kids then go, they take that little understanding of rules and community and relationships over to Twin Rivers. Mm-hmm. And then as we sit at Twin Rivers, we again develop them a little more and they bring them across the street. And in addition to that, then we bring in kids from Robson and we bring in kids from uh, from Kinnaird and we bring in kids from homeschool or, or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And then we need to, and that's where it gets hard here. Because they're all different teachers for all different classes, right? Mm-hmm. But still, the teachers, it's important that they maintain the structure of their classroom with um, input from the, from the kids. Because those are your constituents, right? Mm-hmm. I expect you to be on time. That's very, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm going to tell you a side story about another teacher I have total respect for. His name's Stoshu Chita, and you might remember him from the golf course. Yep. Yeah, that guy, uh, in addition to being an outstanding school teacher, had a set of rules in his classroom that people just obeyed, mm-hmm. and it was because of how he set the tone. If you were late for his class, you didn't get in. He locked the door. You didn't get in, and um, you weren't late very often. <laughs> yeah, and, that would force you not to be. Yeah, and so one of the things that that we tried as a school was all the teachers tried that. Okay, we're struggling with attendance or we're struggling with this or kids are late or whatever. And this is when I was a teacher, not an administrator. And they were, um, so all the teachers start locking their doors. Well, it didn't work. 
because it wasn't really two things. One, I'm not locking my door because if a kid's late, tell me why you're late and you can come in if it's legitimate. So all of a sudden now it starts to break down. Uh, kids go, well, I don't want to go to that class anyway, so lock the door, mm-hmm. right? It worked for Stoch because Stoch developed that culture. Yeah. And we soon abandoned it. A few teachers had success with it. Um, Chris Foster was another one uh, who was a uh, very, very outstanding social studies teacher. And again, his rules, his culture of the classroom. And that's what's really, really important for teachers to develop. Young teachers, um, as I work with student teachers now, uh, what's, what do you want your classroom to look like? And it becomes around relationships with kids. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a, uh, you know, why are you late? If it's a legitimate reason, come on in. Okay, here's your first, this is your first one. You're late because you were out doing whatever. Okay, you get that one today. Mm-hmm. You don't get many more of those, mm-hmm. right? You need to like, we have to have a chat or whatever. Um, sending kids to the office is um, overall, unless it's a very egregious thing, you don't send kids to the office because you just make it somebody else's pro- uh, solution, not yours. Mm-hmm. It's not somebody else's problem. Kids that come to my office as a principal, they didn't anger me. Mm-hmm. I'm on their side right now. I remember being in there. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember when I talked about the ISO chamber? <sighs> you no. and there was a couple of guys. I don't think guys. so. There was a couple of guys. I forget who the three of you were. I've not, this is a little cute little story. So I had, we called it the ISO chamber. It was just a nurse's station in the office, right? Yeah. And if you kind of messed up, you had to go to the ISO chamber for either a period or whatever. And I just, you know, nicknames that I have or whatever. And I can remember you saying, I can't go to the ISO chamber. Really? Yeah. I can't go there. And you were so devastated. And so I made my point. Not that it was a threat, but if I see you again in that situation, this is where you're going to have to do some schoolwork. Um, and, and I forget who the other two guys were, but it was, it was funny because it's a moment that stuck in my mind. I can't go to the ISO chamber. And you yeah. were so devastated. And so what, do I force you in there now? Do I, beat, <laughs> you know, do I beat on you? No, I don't. I tell you, okay, that's fine. Because you don't come by my office that often as far as discipline, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, have you learned from this? And you have to tell me what you've learned, not... Do you, under, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? No. Tell me what you know about this mm-hmm. so that we can help you avoid those kinds of situations. Come back to my office and make a different mistake. Mm-hmm. Don't make the same mistake twice. Make a different mistake. Yeah, make a yeah. different mistake. Um, you know, if you come back for bullying or whatever, well, like, we got an issue here. Yeah. You can't do these things because you're not treating people well. But, you know, if you come in because you, uh, you were on a bullying issue and we deal with it and we move you back... And then if you come in because you lost your temper with a teacher, that's a different situation. It's kind of similar, but it's still something that you're not back here for because you were bugging uh, another student. So now let's work through that a little bit and let's kind of tie it back to the previous issue. And mm-hmm. how, do I, how do we help you grow as, yeah. a, as a person? How do we help yeah. you grow so that you're making different mistakes. That's ultimately your goal as an educator, right? As a mentor. Absolutely. Coach. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what um, what makes a difference between being, a, I don't want to throw a label on it, but being a successful student um, 
you know, having a, having a good character and treating other people well versus, uh, well, the opposite of that. Um, I, I think that everybody's capable of being the, the good version of themselves. Everybody, everybody is capable. Absolutely. But what that comes down to is, um, your worthiness. That comes down to self-worth. That comes down to self-image. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about yourself? What has gotten you to a point where, um, you feel either secure or insecure mm-hmm. about what's going on in your little circle, your circle of friends, your circle of classroom, your circle of school, mm-hmm. your circle of community or whatever. So when you, we've talked about a student prior who uh, was a good friend of yours and, and struggles, struggled at the time, didn't have a good self-image, mm-hmm. didn't feel like they were worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it became a struggle every day, mm-hmm. every day, every day, every day. It, came, it became a struggle for, because he didn't trust anybody. And, and the only way that things worked for him is if he lashed out. And when you lash out, that's great. You, you push people away, but the, who are you left with? Mm-hmm. You're sitting outside your office by my, or my office by yourself, or you're sitting in the hallway by yourself. Whatever you do is by yourself. And therefore, so you don't get any. Seems like a bad cycle. Yeah, you don't bad get loop. any. You don't get anything positive in your life, um, to help you get out of that cycle. So my job then is to is to work with that individual and and to and to hold them accountable, but support them in 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 some of the small things that they do well. Yeah. And 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 doing something well may, means that you made it through one class without losing your mind. Mm-hmm. They need to come here and say, well, you know what? How come it worked, worked so well? Well, you know what? There was one little piece that I enjoyed and, he, and and I got dialed into or whatever. So then it's the job of the administrator and the teacher to to build on that, right? Mm-hmm. My job to take it, to go back to the teachers. Hey, you know what? Look at this. The individual did not lose his mind mm-hmm. um, because he really enjoyed this piece. Mm-hmm. So let's give him two pieces next time or, or whatever the case, or let's focus what he's going to produce for you around these kinds of pieces. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it doesn't matter who the individuals are, too. We want to, we want to play to their strengths. Mm-hmm. We want to play to the fact that they're visual learners, uh, whether they're auditory learners, whether they're kinesthetic, like touch learners. Makes a big difference. And you look at, you know, you, you again, alluded to Don List. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all kinesthetic in there, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about, for the most part, I mean, there's some teaching about measuring and, mm-hmm. and safety and all those different things, but it's all about hands-on. Yeah. And so, you know, some people have some serious strengths and I can imagine you uh, saw some kids in your class that put out some really good products, right? Oh, big time. Yeah. So. And there's a big difference between what kind of learning style you have. Yeah. Somebody that's a really visual learner is not going to understand something kinesthetic no. as well as somebody who is, you know, primarily a kinesthetic learner. Right. And the difference in there, it's like, well, the kid isn't just, you know, not successful in the class because they're stupid. No. They're not stupid. No. They just, they learn in a completely mm-hmm. different way. And that's one thing, you know, about being a human. Yeah. It's one of the things about <clears throat> You know, us. stupid is, stupid is a behavior. Yeah. Do you stupid, think it's like a pattern? Stupid, is, stupid is a behavior. That's some, stupid can be changed. A lot of people say you can't fix stupid. I disagree. <laughs> how do you fix stupid? You fix stupid by holding people accountable and letting them know that how they are reflecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and how they're presenting is not acceptable. So you got to give them that feedback. Yeah. yeah you, let and, them know. and again, you can, 
if you build relationships with kids, and again, like, you know, we've talked about a number of different teachers today. If you build a strong relationship with kids, you can hug them mm-hmm. and you can kick them in the ass mm-hmm. when they need both, right? Somebody needs a hug, you give them a hug. Somebody needs a swift kick in the ass because they're not taking care of business. Because you built that relationship and because you're hugging them most of the time, mm-hmm. and I can, hugging can be metaphorical, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they'll take that from you because mm-hmm. they know you care. Mm-hmm. They know, uh, they feel sometimes not only that they're letting themselves down, they're letting the teacher down. Mm-hmm. And when you can feel that, then you can get better. Mm-hmm. And you can get better at um, get better at being a person and you can get better as a student. Mm-hmm. You know, school's not hard in the whole scheme of things. If, but it's about what you want to, to being the best you can be. Don't try and be an A student if you don't have that capability in biology mm-hmm. or math. But you know what? Get through to the best of your ability and feel good about what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody, everybody can learn. And here's my classic example of that. What do you want at 16? You want a driver's license. Yeah, you do. How do you get a driver's license? You have to write a test. How do you write the test? You have to read the test for the most part, unless you truly, truly struggle, which is not your fault. But for the most part, most kids go down there and they read the test. They read the book first, and they read the test, and they pass the test. They may not get it on the first time, but they get it eventually because it's important. Yeah. It's something that that's that kind of uh, the vision at 14 or yeah. 15. I want to be able to drive. And they're motivated to go do it. Exactly. They want to yeah. get it. Yeah. How yeah. do you, is there, is there a way that you, so somebody that's in a class that doesn't like what they're doing or like what they're learning, is there a way to get them to want to learn something like that? Like switch their association to it? Or is it kind of like playing to your strengths? You know what well, I mean? Well, you know what? Some, here's another mentor that I had. His name's Jerry Brown. Passed away a couple of years ago. Great, great chemistry teacher here in school. And um, he said to me this one time, he said, Heck, sometimes school is just hard work. And I, again, something that I've never forgotten. Sometimes school is just hard work. And if you lay it out for kids like that, you know, we're going to do these kinds of things. And these are, you know, we're going to try and be as active learning as we can, learning as actively as possible. But sometimes, you know what, and I'm going to give you a day's warning. Tomorrow, you need to be here and you need to be prepared to work because we got to grunt this out for 74 minutes. And that's just the way it's going to be. And I'll give you a break in the middle for five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is. And you can huddle up or use a bathroom or whatever. It doesn't matter. But then we're getting back to business because this is important. This is hard work. And you need to know this. Mm-hmm. You don't really need to know whatever the concept is, but you need to know how to work hard mm-hmm. so that when the time comes, you can work hard for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, the driver's license is a classic example. Um, there are many other examples too in terms of you know, how, how you know, how do you study as you get to the next level. And it doesn't matter if you go for pre-up, you still got to study. If you take electricity, that's bloody hard work, man. Yeah. You got to know that stuff. If you take carpentry, that's hard work. If it's heavy duty mechanic, it's welding, whatever. There's a lot of stuff where you're actually going to have to buckle down. You get a lot of experience at school, but you got to go home. 
and you got to take care of business. And that's one of the jobs of school is to teach you how to work hard when necessary, to provide opportunities, enough opportunities where you can take courses that you feel like you're interested in. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, we keep coming back to David. You had not a true interest in biology, but you had an interest in what he presented as a teacher. And what he presented as a teacher is an opportunity for you to learn in a way that was probably different from your other experiences in school. Yeah. And so what do you, do you leave with bio, an understanding of biology? Absolutely a basic understanding of biology. And if you take Psych 100, you know that Biology 12 is, it kind of helps you out, mm -hmm. you know, because you're talking about cells and whatever else. Mm -hmm. But uh, the idea that... Um, this is like life skills. Yeah. This is like a life skills class. Yeah, exactly. For those of you listening, we, we got uh, a student here that just pulled up. It's like, uh, it's almost like the class that isn't in high school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of like what we're talking about. If there's like a, um, what would be a class in high school that they don't have that should be there? I kind of always thought it was like a life skills kind of thing. You Maybe know. like, a, I don't know if it's philosophical, but. What do you think about that? Well, we've tr we've tried in a number of ways to to bring classes that kids should have that we think they should take. Again, th this is adults thinking what kids should do, right? That's how the system works. Adults develop the curriculum. Uh, adults decide, you know, what classes you're going to be in. Adults build the timetable. Adults do all the everything is influenced by adults. Sometimes we don't ask kids enough, and and yet there is a what they used to call it, student voice, maybe. Was a was a program throughout the province, and, he, and each school got to nominate kids, and they had a like local chapters and stuff. And so the province did get back to or hear from kids as a, as a as a group. But the idea that um, what do we take, what do we offer? I'm not sure. There's any one thing we've tried consumer ed, we've tried business ed, you know, because what's important? Managing a bank account is important. Um, Knowing a little bit about investment is important, but at 15, 16, it's not. So is there a course out there that we actually should offer? I'm not so sure about that. What we should, have, what we should offer is um, quality learning opportunities for kids. Mm -hmm. And they don't need to have, kids don't need to be, um, not everything they do has to be fun, as I alluded to earlier. Sometimes it just has to be hard work. Yeah. yeah. So um, if we can teach kids how to work hard and be open-minded. You know, back in the day we taught, a, when I first taught at Kinnaird Elementary, we taught a guidance course. And kids circled through for, I don't know, eight weeks or whatever. We did a lot of talk about values. You know, what's your value system? It's a value systems are very difficult to talk about because it's a maturity thing, mm -hmm. right? It's so, a little bit hard to understand what you do value and what you yeah, don't value. Yeah, you got to do some deep. You can decide. You can decide. You can decide what's important. Yeah. Um, as a thirteen-year-old, what's mm -hmm. important to you right now? Well, my friends are important. Obviously, it's probably the number one thing, right? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, what do we? What do we? What do we prepare kids for? And that's that's what this is. This is preparation mm -hmm. um, for a number of different things. Kids come out of here going, gee, I really struggled with that teacher or I disliked that teacher or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I know that I maybe want to avoid those kinds of people. Mm -hmm. I really That teacher really had an impact on me. So anytime I can come around or find somebody that offers that, 
in, in whether it's a job or whether it's school or whether it's the community that you live in or the friends that you deal with, that's what we're supposed to be doing out of this building in yeah. my view. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think right now there's really, um, and I feel like a lot of people don't want to talk about it, but there's really an epidemic with mental health issues mm-hmm. in schools and with youth and with uh, self-esteem and how they see themselves. And that's one thing I recognize, especially in grade 12, having worked with so many different kids that I normally never would have, right. um, which is a big reason for why I'm doing this and we're having the conversation right, right. now. Yeah. Um, there's really, I think it's an epidemic, honestly, and it could be, you know, there's multiple things from that. And I think a lot of it is just how society's changed. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've got a culture now where, you know, we have hundreds of Facebook friends and we think they're our friends and mm-hmm. um, it's, it's confusing. And there's a, a big lack in communication, face-to-face communication mm-hmm. and huge misunderstandings and misinterpretations, I think. And I'm guilty of that too, growing up in this time. Now, what, is there something that somebody can do in that position to help that for themselves? You know, there's, what do you think about that? That's, that's a, it's almost a never ending question. Uh, and yet each, each, um, each culture, each culture, each group, uh, each age group goes through that. Um, you know, I went through that in a different way. My kids went through that on the cusp. My son's 37, my daughter's 33. So they were on the cusp of kind of that. And now we're into it full on social media, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you get to hide behind stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't, uh, you don't actually have to own everything. That's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing. And if you look now, um, people's true colors come out, not maybe at the time, but they come out later because you never get rid of social media. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a sports announcer that, um, that just got at the very least suspended and probably fired for making a comment about, uh, uh, homosexuality. Didn't think the camera, didn't think the mics were on. It was mm-hmm. a radio announcer. Didn't think the mics were on. Well, it has nothing. You didn't think. And yet at the same time, that's who you are. You say what you believe mm-hmm. really. I think for the most part, sometimes you're, sometimes your mouth rattles on faster than your brain for sure. But at the same time, why would that come out? It's, it's coming from your beliefs. It's yeah. coming from your yeah. values. And yeah. It's, you know, who you, you know, are. You're trying to be funny. You're trying to put somebody down. Uh, it was a hockey announcer yesterday. He made some comment about, uh, about women. And it was, it was around the idea that, um, Right now, with these hockey playoffs, there's these bubbles, one in Toronto, one in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. All the teams in the West play in Edmonton, and all the teams in the East play in Toronto, and the playoffs are on, so teams get eliminated. And there's a conversation around, you know, how come things are going so well? Well, you're with your teammates all the time and those sorts of things. And this guy pipes off saying, uh, yeah, and there's no women for distractions. Like, that's just not right. You can't just say that. No. I mean, and if you believe it, so be it, right? Don't but, say it. But... You yeah. got to be responsible knowing that there's going to be hundreds of people listening that are really going to disagree with what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Obviously. So that piece along with, um, that piece along with, like I say, being, if it didn't come out now, it's going to come out later. Yeah. Because again, somebody's going to hear it somewhere, right? So back to the whole idea or your question, I guess, about mm-hmm. um, emotional development of young people. and mm-hmm. Self-esteem is self-esteem. a big part of that. Yeah. And so our job is to, Remember that not everybody's your friend. You can be 
you can you should be strive to be friendly with everybody, mm-hmm. but there's a difference between having friends and being friendly. Mm-hmm. And um, I have I know people who are uh, are of that. I know one in particular individual that was a really good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're not good friends anymore, but he's incredibly friendly with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't have many friends. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a difference. There. Sometimes, sometimes that's a lonely existence. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when you walk when you walk away from these buildings, if you don't have friends, you're on your own. Mm-hmm. It's really important to have friends or some people that care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't matter, male, female, whatever gender yeah. uh, they they want to be or whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Again, it, you know, it came comes back to self esteem. It comes back to worthiness and self-worth and self-image. How do you view yourself? How do other pe- how do you think other people view you? And um, those are critical things. And you need to be able to feel good about yourself. Um, and you need support to do that. You can't do that on your own. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot of it on your own, like the running of the, like your running of the marathon and the training that you do and those sorts of things the challenge of rugby or golf or a number of different things. You can feel really good about those things, but you still need somebody to pump your tires mm-hmm. and to be there when, uh, when you stumble. Mm-hmm. And a lot of kids, I don't think have people there when they stumble. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, um, that's sad. Mm-hmm. Um, because we need to make sure that they're there when they stumble. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we can even encourage a stumble or support it. You know, that's okay. You stumbled. I gotcha. You failed. Yeah, you failed at that particular skill. So let's get up and go get get going again. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people, too, allude to, uh, think how long it takes for a baby to learn how to walk. You know, if if they tried the first time and then shut it down, nobody would walk. Mm -hmm. Right? But the kid walks because he keeps at it or she keeps at it. Yeah. And they figure things out. And and sometimes they do it themselves. Sometimes they use a table or a chair. Sometimes it's a parent, mm-hmm. the babysitter, whoever. There's always somebody there to help, to encourage them to walk. Mm-hmm. Um, then, they, then they learn how to run. Yeah. And they stumble. And they scratch, whatever, right? Nothing yeah. wrong with that. And would you ever tell a baby to stop walking? Yeah, exactly. Because they fail a bunch of yeah. times? Or stop talking. Yeah, no, either they're going to you're going to you're going to push them to do it until they figure it out. Exactly. Until they get it. And why are we not why why how does that change? It's not why are we not. How does that change as we get older? Mm-hmm. How does it change from um here's a classic example, Will. Math. Where does it where where did we where did you as a student say or any number of students go, I can't do math? Well, you could do it in grade one. We could do it in grade three. What happened in grade five? How come you can't do it in grade five? How what come happened? you can't do math? Mm-hmm. Nothing changed except something around your support system. Yeah. Changed. Something around, something in, this, in the support system probably made you believe that you couldn't do yeah, it. Yeah, your abilities didn't change. Yeah. Totally because, capable. So. Yeah. Now, are you capable of being perfect? No. No one is. Are you keep no nobody? You should never strive for perfection. You should strive to be to be the best you can be, mm-hmm. and and that's hard work all the time. You can't do that all the time, mm-hmm. and yet there are different places where we can do that. We can do that in sport. 
Uh, we can do that um, when we're reading a book. Mm -hmm. We can do that um, driving a car. Um, a number of different things. Be the best you can be. I have a career now, a second career, where I drive, drive a dump truck. Mm -hmm. um, I put the dump truck, not the dump truck itself, but I put the front tire off the road yesterday. I was backing up. Somebody was guiding me. I got too close to the edge of road, and I and I so I put the dry or passenger side t tire off the road. Well, that was a problem, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have my best self engaged in what was going on there. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't. It wasn't the end of the world, but it was a mistake I made. Yeah, people helped me out. Said, "Hey, you know what? Not a big deal. Could have happened to anybody." And, th and that's always a nice thing to say. As you're older, you don't. Yeah, it can happen. There. I'd say that to somebody. I don't want somebody saying that to me. Mm -hmm. But um, it's. Um, we're all, we all need support is my point, I guess. We all need some support to, to be our best self. How can we seek out that support more? Because if there's, you know, there's probably, well, yeah, there's probably some people listening that could be in that position. Um, I know there's been times in my life where I felt like I haven't had support. There's caring people all around. Mm -hmm. How can you seek that out more if you don't really have it or feel like you don't have it? You know, there are lots of different things for, um, lots of different opportunities for young people. And, and really in, in many ways, it's just taking that first step. There's online counseling, there's uh children helpline, there's teachers in the building. There are church groups. There are a number of different ways for, for people to, to get the support they need. Mm -hmm. One requires encouragement and, um, and two requires, I'm going to put this in uh, air quotes, mm -hmm. willpower. Because um, there has to be a will and a wanting and a feeling that you need to get better mm -hmm. at what you want to do or that you need help. And needing help is not something that should be looked upon as a bad thing. And, you know, you can go right back to what I alluded to earlier with the, with the child walking. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs help. I've needed help all the way through my career. Um, and I still need help mm -hmm. and it's not, and I look on that as, as some sort of, uh, it's not necessarily a reward well, but, but I help people and they're, and, and, and I expect help in return, mm -hmm. um, based on who I am as, as a relatively nice person mm -hmm. who believes the best, relatively in, nice. Person. Well, you know, who believes the best in people and, yeah. um, who believes that, you know, a number of things around, around positive attitudes and positive values and those sorts of things. Yeah. That getting help is, asking for help is just fine. Mm -hmm. And it can be a small step. Doesn't have to, again, we, you have a vision, but you need a plan. Mm -hmm. And the plan can be quite short. Mm -hmm. You know, make, making that first step to go talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. um, you need a strategy. You need, well, if you have a vision, you need... You need some strategies, you need some coaches, you need some mentors yeah. to help you show the way. And, you know, you can do a little research on your own. I mean, again, we have the internet, so there's a ton of things that are that are available to you as far as um, helping you figure some stuff out. Okay, I'm struggling in terms of who I am. I don't have any friends or whatever. Just click in. I don't have any friends. Mm -hmm. There's going to be like six million hits. Oh, yeah. Millions of things. Yeah. There. Yeah. Um, the other thing that sometimes people don't understand is that it doesn't always have to be Google. 
there's a number of other search engines that are age specific. Ah, yeah. So, you know, there's, I think there's like, I might be wrong, but like Google for kids, I'll say. And there's an um, Ask Jeeves. I don't even know if that works anymore, but it used to be there. Mm-hmm. There's a number of different search engines that you can use mm-hmm. that won't require that you weed through everything. Mm-hmm. To get to what's important for your particular age level, totally, and you can find you can find anything out there in that. For me, I, I totally did that um, at certain stages in in high school, especially when things were confusing, things got a little bit freakier, and I was like, mm-hmm. "What's my place here?" Yeah, all of a sudden it hits you, and it's like, "Well, what am I doing? What's my place?" Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had to figure a lot of that out uh, on my own because I I think because I felt like I I couldn't go any go to anybody at times. Mm-hmm. I know now that that's yeah. That's not the right oh, way to do it. You know, absolutely. And um, so and that's a maturity thing, right? Yeah, for you sure. Don't have it's a confidence thing. Mm-hmm. And don't the two go together? If you don't feel good about yourself, you don't have any confidence, right? Yeah. So somehow that's where, um, as far as it, as far as the teaching community, we have to be aware of who's in our community, who's in our classroom, which is our community, who's in our school, which is our community, and be on the lookout for certain things. Mm-hmm. You know, certain little signals, certain little um, uh, ticks or whatever that are saying, you know, I maybe should just bring that individual over here and have a little conversation. Mm-hmm. Say, you know, is everything okay? Yeah, things are fine. Things are fine. Well, you know what? That t- that's right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Fine is the fine key is, word. Fine is the key word, right? Yeah. So, okay. So now I know that things aren't fine for you. <laughs> as soon as you say fine, you know things aren't yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, I know things are not good. Yeah. Um, I see these things about you. If you want to talk about it, I'm here. Mm-hmm. If you want some direction, I'm here. Um, I'm not here to tell you. I'm here to guide you. And um, that's that's what we need kids to believe in, that there's an opportunity for them uh, to be guided. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in that guidance comes learning and learning comes development and, you know, wisdom. And you can keep, keep going on. It's, a, it's an endless spectrum. Mm-hmm. But to to have kids have that confidence of the first step usually requires support, mm-hmm. um, and adults too in many ways, right? You can think of you know people that have addictions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, everything's fine. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Things are not fine. Mm-hmm. You know, you're saying things in your relationship that are inappropriate. You're missing work that's inappropriate, or you're late for work, or whatever. Things are not fine. Mm-hmm. But until somebody actually said, understands that things aren't fine, you can't truly help them because mm-hmm. they're just going to go, yeah, 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 I'll get to it or put it off or it's not as bad as everybody thinks it is or even though I know it is because you know, I believe you know within yourself how bad it is. <clears throat> but to show that or to, to be vulnerable, man, that's difficult. That takes some real strength. Yeah. To show vulnerability mm-hmm. takes strength and support. Mm-hmm. But in that, you will find hope. You'll find oh. better things, I yeah. think. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And we have to have hope. Yeah. We have to um, We have to want ourselves to um, be our best selves. We, want, we need to make a contribution. We have, um, you know, you alluded to what's your place. A lot of times... I used to, you know, what I tried to instill in my kids is what's your purpose? Mm-hmm. What is your purpose? And don't expect me to answer it. Well, what do you mean? Well, what's important to you? 
Well, how do you want to um, how do you want to contribute? How do you want to be viewed? Um, and there's a number of different ways to go about that. But realistically, what's your purpose? Mm-hmm. You want to be hopefully a good friend. You want to be a good mentor. You want to be a good husband. You want to be a good boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You want to be good at something. And you want to be able to commit to something. It's not always going to work out. You know, why do we encourage boyfriend, girlfriends in high school? It's about learning. You're not marrying that person generally. It's a huge learning experience if yeah. you can take it the right way. Yeah. And you know what? You're going to enjoy that person for a while. And then you realize, hey, maybe it's not the way it is. Or, you know, you get dumped or whatever. Well, so be it. For me, it was one of the biggest learning experiences I had in high school. Yeah. yeah. Completely but, changed my outlook on things. And- yeah. So what is it? What What was the, you know, what was the downside? There was some hurt. Mm-hmm. It was painful. And yeah. it's painful for so many people that yeah, go through that. Absolutely. But that's, that's, it feels like you're dying, but really you're growing. Yeah. And the other side of that is, you think you're the only one going through that? (laughs) Yeah. You know, but you're in your own bubble, you know, like it doesn't matter what Doug's going through or what Jill's going through or whatever, because it's about Will or it's about, about Mm -hmm. me saying, oh my God, like I hurt so much Mm -hmm. and I really like that person. Why don't, what, what was my shortcoming? What did I do wrong? And it's, you can't always, you know, you might've done something wrong. You might've said something stupid. You might've done whatever, but it's not always about something you've done wrong. Mm -hmm. It's about growing and maturing and realizing that, you know what, we don't, um, we don't share the same interests. Mm -hmm. Um, we, it's just, it was great while it lasted Mm -hmm. and then we're going to move on and we're going to find somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're in it, instead of asking, you know, what did I do wrong or why did I mess this up? It should be like you should ask yourself the question, what can I learn from this? Yeah. And how can yeah. I grow from this? Yeah. And what can I do so I don't experience this again? Yeah. You know what? There's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with hurt. Mm-hmm. It's a growing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's, it's like I talked about with, uh, with learning experiences. Try not to make the same relationship mistake twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and if you can do that, it might not work out. Your second, third, fourth relationship might not work out. Mm-hmm. But, um, one will ultimately, and it will work out because you're, you're the person that you were in the relationship with, they've gone through the same stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what? In terms of their struggles with previous spouses or uh, boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever the situation might be. Mm-hmm. Kind of leads into, uh, what, or a question that I wanted to ask you. Um, and that is, what would you say to somebody who feels like they don't have hope? Man, that's a long way down on the scale. If you had like a motivational yeah. few sentences um, to there say. Is, there is, um, Not even motivational, but. Yeah. No, I understand what you're saying. Um, Everybody is worthy. Everybody's worthy of love. Um, everybody is worthy of uh, support. And so don't think that there's nothing left for you. It, it requires usually that you, the individual, take the first step. But at the same time, um, you, you, des- you know, if you look at uh, what your, one of your previous guests, Shannon, said, mm-hmm. um, 
Shannon Brookbaker, Brookbear, Bray, Bray, Bray Brooker. Thank you, Braybrook, Braybrook. Thank you. Yeah. And I know, and I remember that. I wasn't going to stumble on that because I remember you stumbled on it. I did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's one of those names that's easily stumbled upon. Yeah. Um, but the idea that you know what, what you, uh, what you seek for the most part is, um, is available to you. You have to go get it. You have to have a plan to get it. You have to have a belief in it, mm-hmm. um, and you can get those things. Don't try to be somebody you're not. You know, don't go out there and try to be the most flamboyant person you can be when it's really not within who you are. And you know, you know, be true to yourself mm-hmm. and recognize that if you're struggling, like I said, there's people that will support you. Uh, you need to find them. There are people that will love you and you need to find them. Yeah. So it's to be at a spot where there, where you have no self-worth or you view your self-image as something that is very low or non-existent almost, um, and that's a low spot, and we, and we don't want people to feel that way. And that's why we need to, you know, one of the things that we've done, I'll segue back to education, mm-hmm. is that um, letter grades and percentages, mm-hmm. uh, posting of marks, okay, with your name beside them. Mm-hmm. And that goes all the way. You know, that goes up and up and up. We don't need to have kids have grades. In fact, it's not legally required till grade 10. Hmm. And I know you had letter grades in grade 8. But it's not legally required until grade 10. And why is that? Because they don't matter. They don't matter other than for kids that generally want to go to university. Letter grades don't matter. Mm-hmm. Percentages don't matter. Percentages matter in terms of um, how well you're doing compared to yourself. And, you know, um, back to the running, back to the swimming, back to whatever, personal best. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I got 60% on that math quiz. Why did I get 60? Ask yourself. Don't ask the teacher. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself. The teacher's responsibility is to go over the quiz um, with you or to provide comments on the quiz for you and then say, you know what, come and see me. You should not waste time in a classroom, in my view, going over a quiz because mm-hmm. um, it doesn't teach anything. Yeah, it's a waste of time. We, we don't learn anything. No. I, I can't. You know, I got that question right. What are you doing? Are you hanging in there? No, you're cluing out. Yeah. You're thinking about your next girlfriend or the other way around. You're thinking, ah, oh, shit. Why did she dump me? So then that doesn't get you ready for the next piece, the next mm-hmm. question or whatever. So, you know, again, I would say don't review quizzes and in, in tests in school. Mm-hmm. Put comments on them and, and, and make, sure that, um, make sure that kids understand them. And if, if they're not getting it, I want to see you now mm-hmm. at this particular time. I exp- you know what? Tomorrow I want to see you at lunchtime for 10 minutes. Don't take up a child's entire lunch hour. Take 10 minutes because they can give you 10 minutes because that's that short piece again that they know they're getting out to be with their friends, whether it's at this school, this school, or that school, mm-hmm. right? And give them an explanation and ask them a couple of questions about their learning. Mm-hmm. Um, or the other side of it is, you know, you're cruising along at whatever. You, do, you really have a very solid understanding of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And on this particular issue, you didn't. This particular concept, why is that? I didn't study. I was up the night before. Um, whatever. What would happen if I gave you another test or quiz? 
not with the same questions, but with similar questions. Would you do better? Geez, there's an opportunity for me to show myself, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I could do better. I think I will. I think I can spend the required time or um, that particular emotional baggage is finished with me now. Mm-hmm. On the other side of it is to the teacher, throw it out. Who cares? You got, if you go through and you, and you say we have a four-point scale where you totally understand what you're doing, you're pretty darn good at what you're doing. Yeah, you've got the basics or you don't. Mm-hmm. Okay? Four, three, two, one. Can't get zero. If you're cruising along at three and four, and all of a sudden you get a one, as I look through what you've learned this year, do I care about the one? No. If you're three and two all the time and you pop up with a four once, do I care about the four? No. Get rid of it. Highs and lows don't matter. We're looking for a trend of what this student's capable of. Mm -hmm. And we're looking for a trend of what this student's capable of both intellectually and emotionally and social. What are you capable of doing? Yeah. Social has always been a strength of yours for whatever reason from I've, from the time I've known you. Whether you feel that or not, it's a different story. But what you present is pretty social and pretty understanding of people and, and pretty caring of people. So um, as far as I look at that particular scale, if you lose your mind once in a while, so what? It's not, it's not who you are. Do you remember that time I, th- I came into your office and I told you that my, uh, it was like, I used the metaphor of a champagne bottle and my cork pop. <laughs> you remember that? Vaguely. <laughs> vaguely. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm moving along, but all of a sudden I've had enough. And it happens. Yeah. And shit happens. And that's not wrong. Yeah. It is not wrong. And that's where we are. We can't, we can, blame is such a bad thing, hey? Mm, especially blaming ourselves too, because that's not going to get you to where you want to go no, any faster. No. You know what? Instead of blame, let's, let's talk about accountability. Yeah. Let's talk about accountability to ourselves and to others and, yeah. and to who we present to. So if it's not, um, grades is, or, uh, the marks rather that really matter, is it accountability? Yeah. Yeah. It is accountability. It's about, you know, in a, in a letter grade situation, you want to improve your letter grade? Spend 20 minutes extra a week. That's it. I'm telling you. Spend 20 minutes extra a week, more than what you're doing now in a particular area. You'll get better. Mm-hmm. Because the other side of it, once you get better, then you might spend 40 minutes too, right, the next mm-hmm. time. Once you see results, then you get dialed in a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But you want to improve You want to improve into, uh, schoolwork? 20 minutes a week extra. Listen up, Walker. <laughs> <laughs> the idea too that... Um, what I learned at university was that you can actually study on Friday night, and that was a that was a big maturing factor for me. I didn't learn it. I didn't. I didn't learn That's it. A tough. I did tough not decision. learn it. I'll tell you this truthfully. I did not learn it till um, my fourth year. I spent five years in university. I remember you telling me about this a long time because, ago? Because you know what? After school, I mean, Friday's Friday. It's Friday, man. TGIF. Let's yeah. get busy. Whatever. Party time. Yeah, whatever we're gonna do. Well, you know what? If you went after your last class on Friday, say it was at three thirty, stopped by a cafeteria, stopped by whatever, filled your filled your mug up, whatever, took a break, and then you went home and say got home at four thirty, and you put ninety minutes in, it's six o'clock. Those people that started at six or at four, good for them. They're still there at six. Your friends are still there at six. 
Maybe you're a couple of beers behind. Mm-hmm. But you know what? You're still, you're saying, I got this work done. I don't have to worry about it Sunday night. Because you know what happens on a weekend? You get jet lagged. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You stay up Friday night till whenever. You stay up Saturday night till whenever. So Friday night, you stay up till whenever. I say 12 o'clock. So now you're sleeping as a young person. You're sleeping till 10. Yeah. It's 11 o'clock before you get rolling. Oh, yeah. And then you're doing the same thing again. Now it's 12, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. Now you're sleeping till 10 on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then you got to think about doing some work. You're it's a beat. shitty cycle. You're beat. But you know what? You can go, hey, I, I picked up an hour and a half on Friday. Hey, that's all it takes, too. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. You may still have to work on Sunday. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's an hour and a half less that you have to worry about. So that you're not you're not grunting it out Sunday night when you're exhausted, yeah, and then getting ready for class again on Monday morning. This actually happened. This exact thing that we're talking about right now happened to me last night when I was preparing for this conversation that we're having, because <laughs> I was going uh, up to my friend uh, Max's place for uh, for a little get together, yeah. and I was like, I was thinking to myself, I can't just. I, I got to do some preparation because my default would have been, okay, I'll just do this in the morning. Right. Yes. I'll do this later yes. when I get back. It's like, come on, am I really going to do that? And then I also asked myself, okay, what's this going to cost if I don't do this tonight? Yes. You know, you so do I spent it, an hour on it and it was, I, I prepared and then I went up there and hung out with them exactly. and I was way less stressed out. And right. I can think of so many examples in school of studying and it, anybody listening to this can think of an example of their own life where they had, where they've had this happen. You know, I don't know what time you get up in the morning, but you'd have had to get up at least an hour earlier. Yep. Right, and you'd oh, have been for out, sure. and you'd have been out late, and you'd have been tired. You wouldn't have been your best self. Definitely not. And so the conversations that we're having wouldn't have been probably as meaningful. No, as they sh- as they could have been, not as they should have been, as they could have been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's all we're trying to do is to put our best foot forward as you present to the young people that you hope that hopefully are listening to you. Mm-hmm. So, so one of the other questions I want to ask you before we before we wrap up here is. Have you ever had somebody that you thought you couldn't reach, but in the end, you were able to? And then if you were, what did you do? That was a great question. And I thought a lot about that. And I thought, you know, and what I ended up thinking about was um, was kind of short term. And what it came, what, what brought me back to it was um, what a, um, what a process it was. And I saw, I'll say, quite a few of those kids in my high school career, particularly as an administrator. Quite a few is, I don't know, dozen, 20, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. And I, I could name a couple of examples, but I can, I can always remember the hugs. And that was kids coming in at grade 8 or grade 9 and struggling. And for a variety of different reasons. One, they didn't believe in themselves. Two, somebody didn't believe in them. Three circumstances, um, attitude, whatever. Again, and, and worthiness, mm-hmm. and the idea that they, you know what you, I've 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 had to discipline them, I had to suspend them, I had to ask them to leave school, to go to an alternate site, mm-hmm. and then watch. And again, not personal. This is just not working for you at this point in time, right now. And you're trying to teach them that, yeah. And then watching them start to figure stuff out and then come back as a grade 11 student saying, I'm not ready yet to take um, a full load here. I still want to be a little bit across the street and I, and I want to integrate here. 
But at the end, watching them uh, graduate. So that was essentially a five-year process. And watching them smile and say, uh, and hug me and say thanks for support. I didn't do anything in terms of teaching them intellectually or, or academically. I just supported them and, uh, and uh, respected them. Mm-hmm. And so I think that everybody can get to a certain point. Not everybody can graduate high school. There are limitations. But everybody can get through high school mm-hmm. and everybody can get um, some value out of it. And everybody can get something that says, you know what? For the last 13 years, I've come from here to here. Mm-hmm. And now I'm ready to move on to whatever move on looks like. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I saw both at, at Crow when I was the vice principal and the principal, and I saw it here when I was the principal of, mm-hmm. and I was only principal here for two years, so I didn't see the full length of it. But I saw some kids that came in, you know, in grade 11 out of grade 10 when I first got here. And God, we struggled. Mm-hmm. And it, and you know what? And then it got a little better and a little better and a little better. And at the end, they're going, hey, you know what? Thanks for being there. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be the principal. It can be the Leffelar. It can be the Richie. It can be the List. It can be um, the Hughes. It can be whoever. Because It can also be a student. And it can also be a student. Mm-hmm. It can also be somebody that you connected with that said, hey, you know what? This is pretty cool. And maybe I can work with this individual. Mm-hmm. You're right. I forgot I forgot about the kids. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the, I guess as I come back to that, it can be a student. We should never sell students short because mm-hmm. they know stuff. They do. And it doesn't matter if you're five, you're 15, or whatever, 25. Um, you know stuff and you, and you can help people and people can help you. Mm-hmm. So. Beautiful. I just have a couple more questions. Sure. Um, how can we all love each other more? Well, that, that comes from respect, I think. Love is built on respect. Um, and respect is built on lack of judgment. And it's, it's real easy to judge. Mm-hmm. It's real easy to go, geez, are you kidding? Like, how stupid is that? Or were you, I don't know, are you out of your mind? It's real easy to make comments off the cuff that... Um, that are hurtful. And, you know, again, as I was driving down here today, I thought, you know what is, you think about all the comments that we make and it, there's some number, and I'll, I'll say it's 10, uh, 10 positive comments to get rid of one negative comment mm-hmm. because there's no trust. Mm-hmm. After you make that negative comment, after you make that judgment, there's no trust. So you, the individual that you've harmed Mm-hmm. doesn't trust you anymore. Mm-hmm. And even though you go, oh, so, you know, I apologize or whatever, it's, it's a show me thing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's like pain is a greater motivator than um, than pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to get to say, okay, let's always address, um, and what we don't do a lot of times as adults, we don't address behavior. Mm-hmm. We address the person. And that has to, that is one of the things that's so bad. You need to address the behavior. Yeah. I don't like what you're doing. It's not them as a person. No, no. They're not it's screwed. Not, no. How could you be so stupid? That's not a good way to start things. Mm-hmm. You know, are you aware of what you did here? Do you realize this? Uh, are you sure that's what you wanted to do? Mm-hmm. Um, some people might view that as dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. 
And it's a behavior that can be changed, right? Exactly. Yeah. And most behaviors can be changed with with a, an understanding of it, mm-hmm. an ownership, and a support system. Mm-hmm. And then once you get uh, once you get respect, then you can get love. Mm-hmm. It comes, you know, in that respect particular way. Love. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not going to love everybody. No. You know, you don't love everybody, but you but you respect people based on how they present to you. Yeah. And their honesty and their integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I said, not everybody enjoyed me as a, uh, students or, or, uh, parents or staff mm-hmm. as an administrator or as a teacher for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but most people, most of the time respected what I was doing mm-hmm. and that that's like so important. Mm-hmm. We're all going to make mistakes. And if we don't think that, um, we're on a different, we're in the wrong, we're on a different planet, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and where do you think the do you think the education system or um, the way we approach teaching needs to change directions at all? Do you think it's going in a good direction the way it is now, or do you think it needs to change course a little bit as a whole? Uh, overall, I think it's we're in a pretty good place. Mm-hmm. Um, we need not to address so much. We need to keep in mind, as as I said earlier too, about the learning style and the learning rate of kids. And the way that they, the way that they learn, (coughs) and to be able to say, um, this is what we know you learn best this way, and we know you struggle this way, so we're going to do a lot of stuff so you can actually show me how well you're doing. Mm -hmm. That doesn't get you off the hook to say that you don't. We're not going to try and push you to be better in this particular area. You know, I think there's a number of different ways of, that, that people display their learning, whether it's through art, whether it's through um, even take, <clears throat> uh, whether it's through academic results or, or whatever. One of the things that's interesting is that how you take notes. Mm. Okay. And and I think we probably taught you across the way in Twin Rivers, you put a heading and then you put a couple of dashes and you write some, some main points down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of gets transferred over here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in some ways, we don't even teach that. We just expect that you're going to learn that. Mm-hmm. My my most um, the comment on the report cards that I have the most difficulty with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see, and I'm all over the map here, right? And I and I apologize for that. But no, no worries. The comments, the comments that I have the most difficulty with are uh, must study more for tests and quizzes. Mm. Did you teach a kid how to study? Yeah. How do you study? You know, did you teach him that? Did you teach him what to look for? Did you teach him uh, what's important? Did you address their learning style? Um, on and on and on. And we do address this, the learning styles across the street, particularly over there. Draw me a picture of what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but back to the note-taking, you can, so what's your main concept? Okay. Whatever it is. Coffee. What do I know about coffee? Okay. Then I draw a line over here. It comes from beans and some of it's organic and some of it's not organic. And we just draw some lines off it. And then we go off of each of those different things mm. to develop each little concept, each little concept uh, that we, that we know. Yeah. And that helps us reinforce things mm-hmm. to be able to go through a bunch of words. It doesn't work for everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. These were the notes. Eh, what do they mean? The thing that we are doing better now too mm-hmm. in education is we're not grinding out facts so much. 
Yeah. You know what? We're not we're we're trying to grind out concepts. Because you can't retain all the facts. No. It's not going to serve us very well anyway. Who cares what happened in you know, well, we'll go back to 1867, and probably everybody remembers Canada's Federation, and yeah. that's an important piece. But who remembers what date it was? That was July 1st, probably, right? Mm-hmm. But so who cares? What was the importance of Confederation? Mm-hmm. And what did it mean? Like, how did it serve us? Yeah. yeah. And one of the things that I'm, God, if I was teaching now, if I was teaching now today, yeah, I'd love to be teaching social studies. What would you like on, to teach? Based on what we're going through right now. You'd like to focus on current events? Oh, based on COVID, based on no kidding. based on um uh First Nations, yeah, based on Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. uh based on all those different things. What can you imagine what you could learn as a result of um you know, each year they obviously as you got older and you'd start with something young, but and and age applicable, I guess is what I'm saying all the way along. But can you imagine how um, exciting that would be to actually stay in, to stay in what's going on here. Bring somebody in, you know, you brought in guest speakers and you alluded to that with uh, Shannon, mm-hmm. um, bringing somebody in now that has experienced that, mm-hmm. you know, we, I don't think we've done a great job with, uh, with first nations mm-hmm. overall education on it. Educationally, um, treaty wise, whatever. I don't think we've done a great job. We forget that they were here first. Mm-hmm. They were, and so how I've always had this lesson in my mind that I wanted to teach kids. I want you to bring something that is really important to you at school, uh, to, to to school rather. So they bring their teddy bear. They bring their walk. I uh, walk with this. How old I am? Walkman. They bring, they bring their iPhone or whatever. Yeah. And I take it away from them. You can't have it back. What are your thoughts? And now your name's not Will. Uh, I'm going to call you um, Jerry. Doesn't feel good. Yeah. And can you imagine what it would be like in a classroom? What an impact. You'd have kids in tears. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to have so much parent support. Don't get me wrong. But just to make that impact, and then at the end of the class, hand everything back. Then they would actually be able to empathize with that. Yeah. You know, that whole residential school thing is, is kind of what I'm alluding to there. Mm-hmm. Like, we're just taking everything away. Um, oh, and, and I'm going to have a bunch of plastic bags, too, because we're all putting on the same uniform. Mm. So you put cover up your shirt, your pants, whatever. You're putting on the same uniform. And you're wearing the same hat or whatever, right? And you look around and what do you see? You don't see yourself. You don't see yourself as an individual. You don't see yourself as a community. Mm-hmm. Or you see your community being torn apart, I guess, is what I'm mm-hmm. and there, Our sense of identity, even just as humans, is one of the strongest drivers, I think, in what we do and yeah. how we act and how we yeah. see ourselves. And to have that stripped away, yeah, or at least pieces of it taken away, and you're like, who am I? Yeah. I'm sure that it must have been like that for them. Yeah. And so, you know, it's the damage that was done to so many people over so long. Yeah. Um, in many ways is 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 uh, not really repairable. Mm-hmm. Those people are going to die off and their youngsters are going to continue, but they've been influenced by that. Mm-hmm. And so, again, we talked about that negative circle, right? Mm-hmm. Somehow we got to change that negative circle, start supporting them, 
and saying, you know what, we think your language is important. Mm -hmm. Everybody in my view should learn a second language. Mm -hmm. and, and I want you to tell me honestly, when I, when uh, we tell you you have to learn French, how'd you feel about that? Mm, I kind of, it was kind of a brush off. Yeah. Yeah. Why? It was kind of a brush off thing. It's like, ah, I don't need it. Yeah. Why? Because we didn't do a very good job. We just told you you're learning French. It was this kind of the skip class. Yeah. Yeah. And instead of saying, you know, we're going to give you some tremendous mental exercise and we're going to, we're going to show you something that has value. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is why it, we think it's important that you put an effort forward. How about that turning somebody on and mm -hmm. to whatever, you know, I, I use French as an example. We have lots of people that speak Russian around here. We have lots of people that speak Portuguese, but those languages are being lost as well. Mm -hmm. um, French is the second official language or the other official language. So I get why it's important. Yeah. And immersion is important and whatever, but you don't just, have, you don't have to be immersed. Mm -hmm. You just have to, how can I help you enjoy this language? Mm -hmm. And frame it in such a way where it benefits them if they're going to learn it. Right. Yeah. Instead of it being, okay, here's, like you said, here's French, here's what you're going to learn. Yeah. And um, there's nothing really else to it. No. And you're going to, I'm going to talk at you in French. Notice I say talk at you. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have you talk at me by repeating the French words that I use. Yeah. Uh, then we're going to reinforce them on a piece of paper. Yeah. Or color a picture or, or whatever. Yeah. When we haven't set the table. Mm-hmm. We haven't set the table for um, for an appreciation of the language, uh -huh. of the learning, and that's I think again goes back to the idea that there's no, there's no letter grades. You're learning at a rate and a pace that you can handle. Yeah. Um, you haven't learned this yet. There's nothing wrong with saying that you mm -hmm. have, you haven't understood this piece yet. Mm -hmm. You're going to get it. We think you're going to get it, but it's going to take a little longer. Mm -hmm. Um. And it's going to take a, require a little more effort on your part. Mm -hmm. And we're going to adjust how much you learn based on your abilities. Mm -hmm. But to give you a letter grade is of meaningless value. Mm -hmm. You know, um, what does a C mean? It means you're just doing it, right? Who yeah. cares? And it's There's it's, no motivation. There's no, no. there's no inclination for you to get better. Even with an A, there's no inclination for you to get better and learn more. Mm -hmm. It's only for you to maintain. No, because it's like you did, you're just you're just seeing a letter grade. It's like, okay, I put the work in, I got the letter grade. Some people can get it easier than other, mm -hmm. others, and that's true. But it's like, what's the benefit here? You know, I, th mm -hmm. I think you should focus, or they should focus more on what are you really learning here. Mm -hmm. It's not just about the letter. Yeah, one of the things that was really important, and we didn't, I don't think we we managed to wrap kids' brain around it, was portfolio, the grad portfolio. And we're not at a point where um, we didn't do a great job of developing portfolio, probably from uh, kindergarten. Mm -hmm. We should have, you used to have a file that moved with you. And I remember in grade 12 in Nelson, 1974, my counselor brought my file out and showed me stuff that had been accumulated all over the, mm. well, I didn't, I didn't, uh, they didn't have kindergarten. It was, kindergarten was a private thing, mm -hmm. but from grade one to grade 12, my little drawing, my little this, my little report mm -hmm. card, my whatever. Um, and it was kind of interesting. And what we want to be able to do is to have not the teachers look after that, but the individuals to look after that. Mm -hmm. And for you to say at the end of the line, part of the grad requirement is you got to present. 
Mm-hmm. And some schools have done a really, really good job of that. Yeah. Um, but you need to talk about, you know, I'm going to give you a half an hour to talk about your learning um, before you leave grade 12. Mm-hmm. All you're getting is a check mark. But I'm, but with that check mark, you're going to get some notes by me that say, you know, keep up this, don't lose sight of this, um, encourage you to go there, mm-hmm. uh, don't dwell on this, whatever. And can you imagine the impact that that would have on on kids overall? And and it's okay to say, you know, I I didn't I was I didn't work as hard as I could have. That's okay because you know that you can work harder. Mm-hmm. You know you're capable of of putting more effort in. And those things are something that they would take with them for years. Yeah. Years and years and years. What do you put in, um, when you go to an interview, what do you, what do you, the person add to the interview? That's something that's really, really important. Mm. I don't want to, I know a lot of stuff. And I remember my first interview, uh, not my first one, but when I got my job at, at Robson, mm-hmm. the principal said to me, cause I said, you know, I only get, that's when my, my, uh, education marks were, my practicums where you either got a first class, a second class, or a, or a pass. You got a pass, chances are you weren't getting a job right at, you know, you were going to have to struggle a bit to get a job. Well, I was in a first class position, but I made some inappropriate comments to my advisor. Mm-hmm. He felt inappropriate. So I ended up with a second class. And so I explained that in my interview. I said, you know, I think I'm a pretty good teacher. I got lots to learn. But... Um, you know, this is why you see a second. The principal who hired me said, you know, I see all this. What I'm looking at is um, the diversity that you've shown away from teaching. You've held this job. You've volunteered here. You've done that. You have this qualification. This is why I want to hire you, not because you got a second class or a first class. Mm-hmm. And, and I, again, I kept that kind of thing in mind, too, in terms of what are you bringing to kids? When I hired teachers, what are you bringing to kids? What can I count on from you? Uh, I can help you be a better teacher. I can come in and observe. I can put you with another mentor, uh, whatever. I can make you a better teacher. And you're going to make yourself a better teacher by because your experience. Next year, you're going to be better than you were this year because you learned so much. And you're going to get better and better and better. Well, what are you bringing to kids, what are what are you bringing that is going to engage kids in a way that um, is not strictly teaching, mm. strictly academics? You can teach reading or you can teach uh, language arts, obviously, math, science, whatever doesn't matter. What do you bring into the table for kids? And that's important because that's that grows your community and your school. What is it that the teacher should bring to the to the students? It should bring an understanding of kids. Mm-hmm. They should bring an understanding of development. Uh, they should un- bring an understanding of relationship building, mm. which is my overarching uh, belief. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should bring to kids the idea that, you know what, they can fail. The teachers themselves can fail. Where, what kind of mistakes have you made along the way to show kids that you're not perfect? Because getting into teaching requires a certain GPA. What have you failed at? Because you got you don't have kids that are all getting that GPA. They're not all getting that high understanding mm-hmm. of whatever. So what have you done? You can sit down if you want here, by the way. Um, what, are you, what are you bringing to the table to show them that you understand 
that they're going to struggle with learning, mm-hmm. that they're going to struggle with relationships, that they're going to struggle with the whole social emotional thing, that they have to be ready at certain times to do certain things. That's what I want out of my teachers. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what I want. Now my kids have finished, but I have grand I have two grandchildren, a three year old and a three month old. Mm-hmm. Um, what do I want for them? And that I think is, you know, it's not my place to raise my grandchildren. It's my daughter and her husband. But at the same time, you know, I wouldn't mind meeting their teachers when the time comes. Mm-hmm. All the way along the way, you know, when my goal is to live as long until my grandchildren graduate high school. Mm-hmm. It's my goal. Mm-hmm. It's my vision. And I want to talk to their kids in primary school or their teachers in primary school, in elementary school, to watch how things have changed, to watch how the, the hopefully the important things are still there, and to just watch them grow and develop. That's a really cool thing that you're able to do that because of your years and years and years in that in that profession of educating kids. It must be a pretty cool perspective to have to be that that connected and that involved with it. And, you know, being the way you are, you can have a real positive impact with that, I think. Well, it's, I'm fortunate. Yeah. I took, I chose the right career. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of funny. I was almost by coincidence, it seems. Or no, yeah, it wasn't yeah. exactly the vision no, even. No, it wasn't. And um, I, I've wanted to, well, I chose the right career and now I have another career. <coughs> and. Mm-hmm. The thing that I'm doing now, I've wanted to do from the time I came out of the womb. Really? Yeah. Wow. What's that like? Making the shift to that after all well, those years? Well, very, again, like how fortunate have I been, seriously, um, to be able to choose a career of, in education that has been incredibly well rewarding. Um, it's been somewhat impactful. Mm-hmm. And then to finish that career and to start a, another career as a truck driver equipment operator, mm-hmm. um, part-time, working for a student, former student, um, wow. and, and enjoy that um, as much or more than my teaching career, at least as much. Wow. Because I... You know, and, and it's people are going, oh, yeah, you don't have to deal with kids anymore and you don't have to do that. And that. No, it's not about that. You love that. Because I love kids. Yeah. Um, but how do I, it's just different. It's There's no kids. I still deal with people. Um, I still support people. I have people that support me. Uh-huh. And it's just really exciting. That's and I, cool. And I don't know that I, I mean, I don't know how many years left I'll work. Yeah. But I work and I, it's been my career has been so exciting because I wanted to go to work. I, I think I said this earlier, just about every day mm-hmm. I get up in the morning. I, I don't know how many days are around. Oh, geez, I don't want to go to work today. I get jazzed up about going to, to being with kids. Um, I get jazzed up about jumping in that dump truck, um, about plowing snow on a highway. You know, that I've, that I've curtailed because I'm a bit older and working night shift is not the best, but to be plowing snow with my dog at my side. He has a dog in the truck? Yeah, the dog in the truck. And he gets disappointed now because he can't come with me as often um, as <laughs> yeah. I used to. But I've been so fortunate in my career, to uh, my careers, to do things that I wanted to do. Yeah. To do things that I'm passionate about. 
And I guess as we come to somewhat of a closure here, you may not know what your passion is, but when you figure it out and you find out what it is, get after it because it's going to make the learning not necessarily uh, easier, but it's going to make it more uh, valuable. Mm -hmm. It's going to make it more personal. Mm -hmm. It's going to make it more um, practical in, in, in a number of different ways. And you can actually see this is what I want to do. And it might, you may come across your passion entirely by accident. I remember you talking about psychology when you were, you know, you're thinking about, you know, post-secondary career of sorts. Psychology is one of the great things. You don't really end up with anything other than um, a tremendous, um, and I'm generalizing, but uh, in liberal arts, you get the opportunity to learn mm -hmm. for learning's sake. Mm -hmm. And then you find out what particular area that you want to pursue. Mm. And to learn for learning's sake is pretty cool too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's pretty neat to say, God, I'm just kind of jazzed about this. And I've been kind of, I saw some stuff on Pinterest. I'm mm, toying with the idea of taking a course, mm -hmm. you know, not sure what it's going to be yet, but let's take a course, keep my brain sharp and, you know, pursue of some sort. Do you know what uh, that is for you? Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm not sure exactly what it is yet, but... Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. Like I say, I, I'm kind of, uh, I, I should, there's something about First Nations that draws me to understanding their plight. Mm. Um, there was a book, grade seven novel called Copper Sunrise. Very cool book. And it's, it takes place, I think, in Newfoundland. And it's basically about the eradication. Well, it's not about the eradication. First Nations has been essentially eradicated. And to read that book again, which I should do, is to make sure that, you know, kids should be reading books like this where where they understand that somebody has lost something, mm -hmm. where they understand that something has been taken away. It's a valuable perspective. So, yeah. So you can have a look at it and say, you know, how can I make, how can I make my community a better place? Yeah. How can I be a better person? How can I make people around me better? Mm-hmm. And how can I make my community a better place? Whether it's a classroom, whether it's a community, whether it's a city, whatever. So. Mm -hmm. As we come to a close here, one last question. Yeah. What's life really about in the end? <laughs> oh, my God. You're going to have to edit the sound. Uh, what is life about? Gosh, I don't know. We, we bring people into this world, you know, yourselves, my two kids, their kids. What's our purpose, man? Um I don't totally know the answer to that question, but I know that uh, our purpose as an adult is to do the best we can for kids mm -hmm. and to help them be the best that they can so that this whole thing can perpetuate. And our world right now is struggling. Mm -hmm. You know what? We have populist movements, you know, right-wing kind of movements. We have some left-wing movements. We have a lot of dissonance in between. And... Um, that's going to, it's going to make it difficult for, you know, we always worry about what are we leaving for the next generation? Hmm. Well, my generation is not leaving a great spot in the whole scheme of things. Yeah. Um, so the purpose then is hopefully we can, we can encourage young people to think. We can hopefully encourage them to be active based on belief and based on facts hmm. um, as opposed to fiction. 
mm-hmm. as opposed to um, conspiracy, as opposed to all those different words that are not that are not positive words. Mm-hmm. Let's try and make things positive through mm-hmm. a number of different things. Nobody says it's going to be easy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, throughout this conversation, we've talked about sports. We've talked about learning. We've talked about uh, commitment. We've talked about a number of different things. And all those things are required to make things better. Um, sometimes we're going to fail. But, if you know, we keep the end game in mind. It's not so much about the score. Mm-hmm. It's about getting better. Mm-hmm. So. And like you said that your generation hasn't left us in this in the greatest spot, but you know my generation has the opportunity to make a huge transformation. There's a great opportunity to do so much good with what we have. Yeah, absolutely. Even though it might not be the easiest, but there's been times in history where you know we've made it through it, and yeah. my generation has the opportunity to really make a change. It's so important to understand and to and to encourage people to one be independent thinkers, to Stand up for what's right and what's wrong. Stand up against what's wrong. Stand up for what's right. Uh, to be knowledgeable to the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be a good person. Uh, to be supportive. Mm-hmm. And I think if that whole thing can continue, then we're going to be in good shape. But it's not going to be easy, right? Mm-hmm. Doug, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having this me. This is great. Really appreciate it. enjoyed that conversation and perhaps even learned something from it. If there's something that you would like to share with the world, an important message, feel free to reach out to me. You can reach me on my Instagram page or you can reach me on Facebook. And if you feel so compelled to do so, you could even use email. It's a willpowershow at gmail.com. 